Hello, everyone, and welcome to our The Week That Was in Europe podcast. My name is Dirk Schumacher. I'm the head of European macro research at Natixis, and with me, as usual, is Klaus Adam, professor of economics at the University of Mannheim. Hello, everyone. So um, today we shall discuss about the June 22 ECB meeting, uh, which took place this week. So ECB has decided to embark on a hiking cycle. So a lot was announced and there was some interesting hints at how this progress is likely going to unfold. But before discussing the ECB decisions and the outlook for rates in the future, let's have a look at the latest macro data that came out this week, Dirk. Yeah, we had some interesting data out of the euro area. Uh, first quarter GDP for the euro area was revised up to 0.6 sequential growth, that is quarter over quarter. The initial estimate was 0.3. It seems that some funky statistics out of Ireland pushed a number up that always has to be taken with a grain of salt. Nevertheless, uh, that, that is a nice headline uh, figure, the 0.6 and an absolute surprise. Also interesting, if one looks at the details, the, the breakdown of GDP and its demand component and private consumption declined 0.7 on the quarter after already decline of minus point one in the fourth quarter last year. And we can assume that actually in the second quarter in consumption declined as well. And that reflects obviously high, high inflation. At the same time, investment spending uh, in the first quarter was up only 0.1, but that came after a very strong fourth quarter, 3.1. So we can clearly see here dichotomy between how the corporate sector is doing and households. High inflation is weighing in consumption while companies are doing better, not least because they are the ones creating the inflation and can uh, hedge themselves or have a buffer, a natural buffer against that uh, by, well, raising uh, rates. But let's move on to the ECB. Yeah, so the ECB, as widely expected, announced uh, the end of its uh, net purchases under the so-called APP program, uh, which is the last remaining purchase program in net terms. It also pre-announced a hike in its policy rates uh, for the next meeting in July from currently minus 0.5 to minus 0.25%, as well as additional hikes uh, further down the road. So the ECB justified the start of uh, normalization of its policy stance with inflationary pressures that these have, and now I quote, broadened and intensified. And an inflation rate that is, as they called it, undesirably high. So President Lagarde also stressed during the press conference that inflation was not only imported anymore, but is now spreading more broadly. So the story that inflation is due to energy price inflation alone is officially buried, I'd say. And uh, this comes after the story that inflation is only temporarily there has also been buried a few months ago. So we have now genuine inflation, and Ms. Lagarde also mentioned that the wage pressures are a thing to watch out for. Yeah, consequently, the, the new staff projections every quarter, the ECB staff produces forecasts for all relevant macro data. So the new staff projections show a significant upward revision for inflation. The forecast now um, shows inflation 6.8% for this year, 35 in 2023 and 2.1 in 2024. Core inflation, that is excluding energy and food prices, is now seen at 3.3% in 2022, 2.8 and 2.3 in 2024. So energy uh, is still the main driver, but as Klaus just said, 
uh, it's it, inflation is more broadband uh, more broad based and that's why core inflation is also seen higher and it's noteworthy in this context that the 2024 inflation 24 inflation forecast which is the crucial bit of the updated projection as it defines the policy relevant medium term over which monetary policy can affect inflation is now seen above the ECB target of 2%. I'm sure there were hot debates in the uh, staff whether they should show 2.1 or 2.0, but in any case, they came out with 2.1, which if you will, is a, is a uh, interesting signal. Right, and uh, particularly interesting is perhaps the fact that the 2024 prediction for core inflation is actually above the prediction for overall inflation. And that indicates that the ECB expect, expects some negative contributions from future energy and food price normalizations. Uh, since these predictions are made assuming future policy to follow the path of interest rates that the market expects, the fact that inflation is projected above the target slightly only, but still above the target, perhaps indicates that the ECB foresees that it needs to embark on a slightly tighter path than currently expected in the markets. At the same time, when it comes to growth, the updated staff projection now show euro area GDP growth of 2.1% in 2022, 2.1% in 2023 and 2.1 in 2024 and compared no, no i think it was it was 2.8 in 2022 right oh, sorry you're right. right um you listen carefully i see klaus that's that's good compared with the march projections the outlook has been revised now down significantly um for 2022 and 2023 uh, and that reflects uh, probably the war uh, and a new supply chain tensions as long as China remains or sticks with its zero COVID policy, while for 2024 uh, growth has been revised up. Um, yet, and that was made clear during the press conference, uh, conference yesterday, the ECB still thinks that the conditions for rebound in activity, that is the reopening potential in, in, in still several service sector, the high saving rate and a strong labor market, remain in place. So that's why they still remain constructive on the growth outlook and, and do not foresee an outright recession. Right. So now the big one of the big decisions that has been taken is that after almost eight years, the ECB has now announced the end of its asset purchase program, which was the last active program in terms of net purchases. The so-called pandemic emergency purchase program, the PEP, was already ended uh, in May in terms of net purchases. Uh, within the APP, the ECB has bought around 3.3 tri trillion of assets, of which about 80% are government bonds. Um, it emphasized that the program. I emphasize that the program ends in terms of net purchase because, for the time being, both of these programs, the APP and the PEP, will continue to reinvest the proceeds from bonds that mature in new assets. And um, the ECB will thus continue to be a buyer in the market. In fact, uh, for the bonds purchased under the APP, this will be so for, I quote, an extended period of time. Now you can think yourself what exactly that means. And for the PAP, uh, this is going to happen until the end of 2024, at least. So maybe even longer. Yeah, and for the market, obviously, what's important here that these reinvestments will continue to exert a dampening effect on bond yields. It, it will make also the increase in rates 
more digestible for peripheral economies as the volume of bonds they need to refinance with private investors is reduced by these holdings. And just to give you some numbers, which are not straightforward to calculate because the way uh, they are quoted by the ECB is not necessarily the same uh, in terms of the outstanding debt as it is quoted. But for Germany, it's roughly, it's more than 30%, roughly a third of all bonds out, government bonds outstanding held by the ECB for France, Italy around 20% and Spain around 25%. So um, there, there is a steady hand in the market, if you will, that creates demand for, for these bonds uh, beyond the end of net purchases. Okay, so now let's come to the second big part of the decision, which regards uh, interest rates. So the ECB has announced uh, its uh, intention, basically pre-announced, that it will raise policy rates by 25 basis points in the July meeting, and then again in September. Uh, the size of the September hike uh, will depend on the updated medium-term outlook for inflation. In fact, a 50 basis point rate hike for September now looks quite likely uh, because Ms. Lagarde specified during the press conference that a downward revision of the inflation projection would be necessary for the ECB to only hike by 25 basis points in September. Given that this seems uh, somewhat unlikely in the current circumstances, uh, this was really a strong pointer towards a 50 basis point hike in September. Yeah, and Mrs. Lagarde also emphasized that further hikes after September are in the pipeline. And she repeatedly emphasized, stressed that the ECB has embarked on a, I quote, journey. It's a bit unclear, obviously, what exactly that means, but markets are now pricing in around 150 basis points of tightening until the end of 2022. And the signal for very measured tightening now and a more aggressive hiking later probably reflects a compromise that all governing council members could accept, could live with. In fact, President Lagarde stressed an unanimity in yesterday's decision uh, including the new interest rate forward guidance. Right. Now, one obvious question in the context of, uh, say, record high inflation rates of 8.1% at present is why did the ECB not start hiking right now in the June meeting? Uh, well, I mean, there was some promises regarding the sequencing, obviously, but really what matters for the effects of policy is not so much just the current decisions. In fact, these are not particularly relevant, I'd say, but rather the path of interest rate hikes that is pursued over a longer period of time. And on that, there was quite some information coming from this meeting that largely confirmed market expectations about an upcoming hiking cycle. But this said, it's perhaps true that the ECB is somewhat late to the game. Certainly the Bank of England and Federal Reserve have moved earlier with hiking rates a number of months ago. So really what explains the more sluggish response of the CB? It could be a number of things. Um, it may reflect um, generally different assessments regarding the risks to the inflation outlook among members of the governing council. Perhaps also different views whether and to what extent the ECB is at all behind the curve or not. But I think the elephant in the room really is the risk that a too abrupt speed of tightening in the short term will lead to what is called market fragmentation in the Eurozone, 
which is ECB speak for uh, an increase in interest rate spats uh, between, say, Germany and more highly indebted countries. So in this sense, the ECB has to tread carefully as a shoot up in these interest rate spreads would be undesirable and particularly problematic for countries like perhaps Italy or others um, where this could generate severe tightening of financial conditions and ultimately therefore dampen economic activity too much and lead to further increases in spreads. Yeah, I mean, this, this fragmentation theme obviously featured prominently in yesterday's press conference and Ms. Lagarde was at pains to stress the importance of an equal transmission uh, to the EC, of the ECB's policy stance across the euro area. PEP reinvestments, that's the Pandemic Emergency Purchase Program, remain the first line of defense here regarding spread widening. Um, those reinvestments um, can can be adjusted according to market conditions. I, they don't have to be reinvested in the same country. Um, that, that's an important part of the flexibility with this program. And secondly, the, the fact that any future roll-off of the PEP will essentially take into account spreads. I quote Mrs. Lagarde, who said the future roll-off of the PEP portfolio will be managed to avoid inference with the appropriate monetary policy stance. Well, I think, uh, yeah, interference is is not wanted. So, but I think clearly there are really some issues. Uh, the PEP program is, of course, a program that has flexibility because it was targeting the economic effects of the pandemic and its aftermath, which was in economic terms an emergency. So really, it's not a program that can be used to discretionarily address country spreads that are not clearly related to the pandemic. And I think this is where the tension really starts here. Overall, I understand that the ECB seeks to contain country spreads. Uh, it's also a matter of achieving coordination on a good outcome. But and therefore the equal transmission of policy is important. But what I do not understand is why it seeks to do so by giving itself the discretionary power to purchase individual government bonds. Such actions really amount to the ECB financing individual governments, which is really forbidden under the EU treaty. Instead, I think the ECB should make a stronger point and you know that it has the OMT in place and perhaps spell out that program in greater detail, which hasn't spelled out, uh, you know, in great <laughs> at great length uh, when Draghi installed it. And uh, the OMP program is uh, seems to me more suitable because it comes with conditionalities, which is important when it comes to the point that the ECB supports the budgets of individual countries. I think this is really a topic that merits to be discussed, uh, perhaps in a separate podcast. Uh, we'll see that, Dirk. Yeah. Yeah, indeed, I guess that we, the fact, despite some rumors or press articles that a program would be announced, the fact that they haven't, and it shows how difficult it would be to formulate and specify how that program would look like. As you mentioned, all these legal hurdles are, are high and, and it's very political and obviously means a further intersection of fiscal and policy. But let, yeah, let's talk about that in a, another pro, uh, podcast. It's in this context, nevertheless, noteworthy that the level of 10-year Italian rates has now increased significantly since the beginning of the year. It's around 3.7% now. Also, the spread over German 10-year bonds has increased from around 130 basis points at the beginning of the year to something like 210 now. That said, the current level of the spreads is, is roughly comparable to the one that prevailed prior to pandemic. So the, the level is, so far at least, not extraordinary, not not unseen of. 
it's understandable that the ECB has a strong interest that the interest rate across the euro do not vary too much. Well, some spreads is clearly a fact of life in the monetary union. There is um, an hard to define level at which it makes the ECB's job very difficult. And I would say that is broad consensus within the governing council. Even the more hawkish members, is my understanding, would say yes, uh, because markets can be neurotic. There are multiple equilibria, at least in <laughs> potentially, and that makes the job so difficult. So, But Ms. Lagarde was rather vague regarding other options that could be deployed to contain spreads beyond the peppery investments. Um, and she mentioned en passant that new instruments could be made available if needed. And she emphasized that ECB has in the past come up with new instruments when necessary. A new purchase program that aims at keeping peripheral spreads under control, as I just said, will, will certainly create its own legal and economic problems. And, and therefore, I think they, they need so, some more time to digest what all that means. Yes, another important topic that came up uh, during the press conference was the question of where the long-run neutral rate of interest rate lies. That is the interest rate that is consistent with an inflation rate of 2% that is also stable at 2% over time. Uh, we mentioned before that the effects of monetary policy, the short-term tactics like hiking now or a month later, aren't really that important. Instead, it's the future path of interest rates uh, hikes that is uh, pursued over the longer term. And that path will end at the neutral rate whenever the central bank has credibility to implement its 2% inflation target in the long run. Now, the question about the long run neutral rate, therefore, is also one about the envisioned steepness of the tightening cycle, as well as the level at where it will end. And Ms. Lagarde was not willing to venture a guess where that is, she, she only said when asked, uh, and I quote, we will know when we come closer to it. And I guess such a pragmatic agnostic approach, at least to me, makes a lot of sense, uh, given that there's a lot of uncertainty and, and many factors influence where neutral is. And even uh, some have questions the concept itself. Uh, nevertheless, the ECB will at some point stop hiking rates. And it, it would be interesting, obviously, to know roughly where that is. Right. Um, it may also be the case, though, that uh, on the path back to the long-run neutral rate, the ECB may have to temporarily overshoot that long-run rate. Uh, that's one of the possibilities. Um, the current market interest rates do not foresee that. Uh, they predict a smooth path back to something like 1.5%, maybe slightly higher. But they capture only the central tendency or the expected mean of future short rates. There are certainly contingencies or scenarios, for instance, ones under which the wage pressures become significantly stronger than envisaged, which might then uh, require the ECB to temporarily overshoot that neutral rate. So really for the steepness of the curve, you know, other things are relevant as well, not only where that level of the neutral rate may be. Yeah, certainly enough material for future podcasts. But to sum up, uh, the ECB has now officially acknowledged that there is an inflation problem. It's it's not anymore temporary or just, just commodity prices has spread. And that means the ECB has started a normalization cycle, a journey uh, and, and more tightening um, will come. It, it really is now, I think, a question of credibility for the ECB. Central bank can, in principle, control where inflation is over the medium term. And of course, what is the appropriate level of tightness of monetary policy is difficult to say. But I think what 
the meeting yesterday made clear is they know this is also now about credibility and and uh, they, they will get going for some time. Thanks for your time again, Klaus, and speak to you next week. Thank you.